0: Hello. No, recording. Hi, Jeremy. <laughs> Hi, Raphael. Let's start laughing. T- let's start, start laughing. Start the, let's do that. Uh, test one, two. This is a little bit of an odd week, though, for us, because I'm traveling and you just got back from vacation. It seems that that's not odd. I don't know. That seems to be the pattern. <laughs> we can't. Yeah. Well, we've been, for the last few weeks, we've been a little out of sync from, on our travel
1: schedule, yeah. I guess. Yeah. So this <laughs> podcast will be a day later, I guess. This yeah. episode. And you just so you just got back from Florida. Yeah, <coughs> yeah. <coughs> we, we went to Christina's parents uh, for three days, and then to Miami for four days, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Someone recently asked me, like, I was I was
0: like just looking at uh, like a job listing or something, and they and I was like, what is this job? And I was just curious about it, and they're like, they thought I was interested in the job, and they're like, it's in Miami. Would you be li- willing to move to Miami? Like exclamation mark. <laughs> As if like there would be no way on that anyone could imagine me living in Miami. I think I that's like,
1: because you're so pale that they were like, "Are you sure?" <laughs> you're gonna be lathered in sunscreen all year. Well, you seem perfectly at home there in the pictures I saw of you. Yeah, it, it was funny. It, usually when we go, it's the sun the whole week, and this week it was kind of on and off. One day sun, one day. Uh, rain, So we didn't uh, sit in the sun too much. And then the last day was perfect. So we're like, oh, we got to maximize our sun time. And then uh, <laughs> we had bought new sunscreen, but we had lost that bottle. And we had this old bottle of sunscreen, which apparently didn't work anymore. So <laughs> I uh, put, we had both put sunscreen on. And Christina is always very proud that she's Italian and she can just sit in the sun, no problem. But we're both pretty red now.
0: So you would let the, the sunscreen expire. That's a classic mistake. It's like a- well,
1: it's it's complicated because it, <laughs> it's it's Neutrogena and it's like hypoallergenic oh, and no perfume. So, so yeah. it wasn't even expired. It was just a bad product.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I was I always stay under the umbrella. That way, the, the tan comes slower and stays longer. That's mm-hmm. my strategy. And Christina's is more like, oh, I I gotta get my uh, money's worth. I gotta enjoy the sun. So. Me is mostly my feet were burned because they were like sticking out from the umbrella.
0: Uh, Okay, but you had all the gear. It sounds like umbrella, sunscreen. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Now you. I I,
1: I was I was thinking that we could do an episode about guilt, and that I would start the podcast saying, "I went to Florida for a week to volunteer to help uh, with the opioid crisis, and I spent my free time uh, helping people." But no, I
0: didn't. (laughs) I mean, the opioid crisis. That's a that seems like something you could get into. also, I No, guess,
1: like, it, 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 it's just, the, and I don't know if this would be a full episode, but the, the, the feeling of guilt and the, the feeling of what you could do to make the world a better place, and where do you stop? Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. because really... Uh, well, in you,
0: Florida, it would be like global warming. You'd be like helping bail the water out of uh, downtown. I Miami. mean, <laughs> it,
1: it, it, recently I started, when you book with KLM, you can uh, offset the carbon and you pay 11 euros or dollars, mm-hmm. and then... Uh, so I don't mind doing that, but like, it's interesting to me as uh, social awareness has come into art, mm-hmm. which is fine. I, I think anything's fine, uh, anything goes. Art is free to do whatever you want. <laughs> it's not like, but you're it's scared. interesting.
0: It's okay. To it's thi- okay I don't. I don't, I don't have <laughs> well,
1: that. I am scared because it it attacks it attacks, <laughs> it attacks uh, uh, a fundamental dreaminess. Like if you believe that art should be like. I'm in dreamland, I'm not responsible. So it's mm-hmm. an attack on that. But I guess mm-hmm. it's fuck- okay. But the point to me is when you are socially conscious and woke and uh, want to make the world a better place, where do you stop? Because it's it's really um you could go so far as to think like, well, I I shouldn't wash my clothes anymore. I I should just rinse them as I shower and mm-hmm. uh, wash it with magnets and um is that a thing? You can wash with magnets? So? It- yeah, yeah. I mean, you can go really far in a sort of almost fight club movie where they're like, people should just have one leather outfit and they should be okay with smelling.
0: Leather outfits are better?
1: Mm. I don't know. I'm, what I'm,
0: <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding.
1: I'm I know, but I'm, I'm serious because it, it, uh, always talking to you, it's like, oh, is there... And I think, <laughs> I think to you the diversity issue is the biggest issue. So you have to choose your cause. You can't do all of them. You yeah. can't do diversity and the rainforest. And you're like hey, wait a minute, these people that are helping the rainforest, how many women are there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, yeah.
0: Mine, is, mine is pretty simple. Yeah, you've reduced it to what it really is, which is like, hey, I just think that it would be more fun if there are more people at the party. That's it. Like, It's like a good dinner party. That's all I'm looking for.
1: About ideology, maybe this is a discussion about ideology and that I think life is too much, and mm-hmm. I try to reduce things, and uh, the, the makes me feel better, and I think the world would be better if we owned less things. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I make a lot of stuff that has to be shipped around the world, and I make a lot of websites and servers have to run. And uh, I don't know. I How do you feel about... Um, uh, so we're
0: getting into the the guilt guilt topic. Is that what? Is yeah, that
1: what it, it, guilt or ideology or mm-hmm. a, a, aligning your actions with your principles, ideology. Yeah. Well, no, b- no, b- yeah. because because I think if I would ask you your principles, it, 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 there's different ways of, of going about it. Because there's like the the less argument, like travel mm-hmm. less, eat less meat, and the other argument is like do more of of certain things you believe in. So if I asked you. Should we support the opera? You you should, you're probably gonna say yes. Should we support mm-hmm. experimental music? We're gonna say yes. And mm-hmm. then if I ask Jeremy, in the last ten years, or the last five years, how many times did you go to the opera to support them? Mm-hmm. So I'd say not. That, that that yeah that dichotomy of action and ideology.
0: Are you familiar with this concept of like well maybe because I've been doing a lot of management training recently but like one of the kind of the core principles of like um, that they've shared with us that I was doing this I was using these words before but then it was really interesting to have them repeated back to me in a management circle just because like as an artist that's not what you expect you don't expect to like have some ideology and then walk into like a managing management workshop and then they're like here's our philosophy and you're like wait a second that's my philosophy as an artist and so one of the, the the philosophies that they shared is like We all need to agree that we're going to come to this group with open heart and
1: open mind. (laughs) And why do they say that? Just just in a very crass, cynical way, it's a business, they need to make money. Why is that good for the bottom line? Because one
0: of the problems in business quite often is people who are unwilling to change. So what can happen in a business is, and I'll explain in the most simple terms that it can get very complicated, but like in the building, you know, as a company matures, and I think I've talked about this before, certain rituals and ways of doing things harden and people get really committed to that way because they've had previous success. But that very success, if you harden it or make it unwilling to change, can sometimes prevent a company but, from but innovating but or isn't, addressing isn't, a new market opportunity. It's, it's
1: funny that you're so deep in, in this innovation cycle and this change yeah. cycle, because there's also a method of a pre-capitalist more... Uh, a trade or a craft where you're really good at leather shoes, and mm-hmm. you pass that knowledge on to your children, and, and yeah, yeah. they learn from you. And That's it, bullshit. <laughs> so you you would time travel to like a, a blacksmith in the in the 1500s yeah. and be like, "What if we put them on backwards?" You need to yeah. think outside the box. And like, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but it, and and so maybe the 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 core of of all this. Uh, all these issues of, of constant innovation create expansion and overuse of uh, resources well generally
0: like you know the, every creative act is a is a process of divergence and then convergence and so yeah these things are always ebbing and flowing but if I went back to that blacksmith I'd be like, hey you know you could use this fire to make energy right and then I would have invented the industrial revolution but he would you know he or she is unwilling to to change, because this is the way it's been done. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: But, but so if, if you go to uh, a sushi chef in uh, uh, in Japan who's been doing that, and it was taught by his father, and I'm saying he, because it's probably a guy, sorry. Sure. And and the grandfather and the guy before that, and the, they, they've been doing it for centuries, and you're like, why don't we make it faster? Why don't we make it easier so we can sell to more people? Like, that's the general tendency of capitalism. Let's make mm-hmm. the product cheaper and easier to distribute <clears> and... Uh, but even in Japan and that's like where the, things go wrong yeah
0: they remix tradition with like new ideas all yeah. the time in Japan but I, but I but
1: uh, we're, we're steering a little bit away but I, I'm just curious yeah. that uh, um, I'm kind of I've taken the attitude like okay well oh, everything's wrong so I'm not even going to try to make the world better mm-hmm. um, but you how do you deal with it with the idea of like oh that looks really fun but I'm also uh, contributing
0: to badness <sighs> Yeah, well, so the, you know, this idea of open heart and open mind is really about curiosity. But being, staying curious or being like open to a point of view other than your own is really all I'm, that's my, that's where I sort of like, that's my but, but, philosophy, philosophy. But,
1: but what I mean more is um, that there, there's a, a, a platonic ideal of how you would set up your life. So you would have mm-hmm. zero impact and you would have a maximum You would have zero ecological impact and maximum social impact. Would would that summarize your ideology or not really?
0: No, because I mean, I can't, we can't determine, it's very anthrocentric that this is like next level, but like for me to believe that humans are the only people able to make impact or whose feelings also only matter is ignorant to the fact that some cultures like privilege uh, animals or the planet um, and other points of view. So I'm just saying like, I just keep an open mind towards other points of view. Now, the, like that, quickly becomes like a bad argument if you're talking about super conservative points of view. Like, do I believe that burning coal is a great idea? Well, uh, probably not. However, if there's like a culture that's like, you know, in a position where they can't afford to do anything except burn coal, or there or the coals, like you know, no.
1: But I'm talking about your personal uh, your personal actions. Yeah. That that's really what I care about. So, in your day to day, that you choose this is how I want to spend my time. And I think, (coughs) yeah, um, I mean, let's put it this way because this is an art podcast as well. I think art should be selfish and you're kind of moving away from that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's an interesting path, but it's also a selfish choice. But I'm just curious uh, how you think like, okay, I have about 60 more years left or whatever. Yeah. And how can I, yeah and that's
0: why I think it's really interesting to think about it in this corporate uh, sense of word, because the idea of corporate identity, <laughs> it's like it's just an interesting thought experiment. Um, might sound perverted, right? But in a way, there's something beautiful in terms of like it's no longer an individual. It's a group of people acting as an individual. you know, because in the United States, a corporation has as much uh, right to identity and to to claim. Personal harm as an individual person. A lot of people point to this as like a neo-global, sorry, like a neoliberal a key kind point of, of kind of thing. A,
1: it's a key point of neoliberalism.
0: Yeah, exactly. But you could also think about it as like a like a successful form of Marxism, <laughs> in that the collective is acting as a single identity or a single whole. But
1: but um, I've seen a lot of uh, young entrepreneurs who. Uh, come up with the idea of of friendly capitalism or positive capitalism. and Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah. uh, You being in in corporate world, do you, I guess in the software side, you don't see the the great, it's more that if you, here's an example. Let's say you want to make affordable art, like uh, you made socks with paintings on them, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, no one bought them. Yeah, so that's that's already good for the environment. Failed experiment. <laughs> yeah, the, the failure of the project is actually good for the planet. <laughs> yeah. um, but it, it, what I'm talking about is that ideologically, you end up where Tino Segal is, where it's like he doesn't travel by plane. Yeah. Only by train or boat. Um, to no, re- And he makes nothing. No material value. No material, yeah. and he involves people, so he creates work for people, and they should be paid a fair wage. Those Mm -hmm. people should not travel either. They should be local performers. Um, And so he sees that there's an economic model where we're constantly buying and selling uh, materials, and that's harming the world, and we can't go on that way. Mm -hmm. And so, what I mean is, if you ideologically reduce things, that's the only place that you can end up in, in, and maybe.
0: Well, no, you're bringing up a really good point, which uh, I, you know, because think a lot it, of us your your
1: practice p- as a as a performer mm-hmm. is already harmful. Mm-hmm. That's why. Well, I had
0: one. Right. I think we had both assumed, you know, as young uh, internet-based artists, that by practicing and creating work for the internet, we were having zero impact, right? And then over the last few years, it's sort of been demonstrated that. Actually, there's like a tremendous impact to the data economy, and you know the, these data centers and the internet actually consume yeah, a massive yeah, amount yeah. of natural resources.
1: But the, the whole the whole thing to me um, is the putting responsibility on an individual for the, their their carbon offset or whatever is is kind of ridiculous. Like you should collectively, mm-hmm. I agree. You should collectively make laws. This, I I don't know. I'm I'm not trying to. Uh, Break down I'm just trying to think of the economic the the um, I'm, I'm interested in the difference between personal actions and personal views so that, that mm-hmm. maybe for you that you decide okay I should not eat meat at lunch and, and, and I don't know I, if, I don't yes. know if you've been able to keep that up yeah 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 and that uh, so you kind of draw a line like well but I need some enjoyment in the evening
0: mm-hmm
1: yeah i mean i don't know whether this is right or wrong but i think the point you're making is really
0: good which is like is there still room in this world for an individual's own ideology right like and you know when you encounter these people that have very strong ones you're like "Mm, like maybe just chill a little bit but like we all formulate these identities around certain ideologies yeah what i find interesting is that we often use that to like in some kind of weird power play like i'm better than this person because i do it this way yeah 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 or i'm better you know i'm on a cleanse and so you're probably dirty yeah <laughs> like yeah I'm i drive gym, a hybrid you you yeah. yeah you're a gas guzzler yeah like i go to the gym But you're but, lazy. but maybe yeah
1: maybe my point is where do you stop because you could say okay i'm going to drive a hybrid okay i'm going to do everything on a bicycle even though i live in an area that's mostly mountains or, you know like how far do you go that's well, I think it would be a much more productive effort on behalf of society
0: if it was more like if you just didn't go toward that place of judging others, <clears throat> which I think is very hard for most people to do, right? Like, so when it, whatever act you take, uh, you know, like I couldn't judge Raphael Rosendahl for his ideology. No, but but
1: if you, it, it's it's both ideologies on both sides of the spectrum. If you really think abortion is murder, then of course you should fight for that cause. And if you really think mm-hmm. that we need to reduce. Carbon emissions by ninety uh, percent within the next five years, then uh, it's a crisis every day. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. It's interesting you use the word "fight for a cause," right? Like, yeah, but you know, because there's also this accusation that a lot of people just align themselves with causes as like a way of increasing their social capital or their value in. I, I mean, you know, in- it, it,
1: that's that's the funny thing it, it, it the emotion of of the cause and. Uh, the, the actions that you take seem very similar to the Catholic Church where you you sin and you're born in sin. Mm-hmm. So you have all these desires, all these things you want, and but actually you're causing harm by those desires. And mm-hmm. then you go to the church and confess and you do a number of Hail Marys or you pay for to, to wash away your sins, which I think was where... Protestantism started where they're like, "Hey, you can't just pay off your sins." But the church would yeah. have these letters, and you would pay a certain amount, and they're like, "Okay, you're good to go." Well, it's interesting too with the and church, that's like right? with because the carbon offset. Okay, I know I bought those Gucci pants, and I know it's bad, but I'll pay for the the carbon offset.
0: It just seems like like a hilarious dichotomy, though, because like the with the church, you would have you would literally might have put your life on the line on behalf of the church, you know, or the king or queen, right? Like you would have. They would you could have gone toward to fight for your like fight for your cause would have been like literally putting putting like I don't think that was
1: most like, people yeah I guess it was a lot I'm of
0: thinking like the Crusades yeah yeah, like yeah. That, yeah 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 um, yeah you're right it's not like everyone's doing that every day kind of thing
1: I, I, but uh, yeah it, it is interesting this uh, connection with identity and causes because that, to me that seems like the the one thing that's holding the left back mm-hmm This is becoming very much the most political episode you've ever allowed me to have. Yeah, I thought, why don't we do it all in one episode and then just get (laughs) out of the system. I was just like, I suddenly stopped myself. No, I I think the main reason I've been hesitant about that is because I I really feel um, inadequate talking about it. Mm -hmm.
0: But I think like, I mean, I'm never really comfortable, but in discomfort, I find a certain amount of pleasure because it means, like I said earlier, that I'm open to change, right? And that discomfort has allowed me to, like, explore ideas that I didn't imagine.
1: Would you be comfortable um, going to a KKK rally and then hearing their point of view? Um, Would I be comfortable
0: going? I mean, I wouldn't be comfortable participating. I'd be comfortable learning more about how... So my background is in sociology, right? So, like, I, I do have a problem, I'll admit, where, uh, like, when I'm in very difficult social situations, I find them fascinating because I, there's, I know that it's more than just the individual's actions that result in those circumstances. It's the, it's the result of many individuals acting together and a very complicated web of social interactions that produces almost all social outcomes. It's very rarely an individual that produces a social. Yeah, outcome. but
1: it's it, it media makes it sound like there's always an individual hero. Yeah, or there's
0: an individual or history
1: in, in Like, uh, right now I'm, I've am i applied for citizenship. I have a green card. Yay. And then uh, I have to learn this test. And a lot of it is about individual heroes of the U.S. Like, who was the hero that made the Constitution? And uh, as if it's a single person.
0: Right, 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 right. But yeah, you know for a fact that there were probably hundreds, if not thousands of people and momentum and different kinds yeah, of sociologies yeah, yeah. going on, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So a lot of, and of course there's a lot of studies of this, like how did the Nazis end up taking over Germany, right? Like how did all, how did potentially good people become bad? And why did people shoot their friends and neighbors? And anyway, so all of these are uncomfortable things to talk about and uncomfortable situations, but ultimately like what helps me anyway, and maybe this is my privilege and it's wrong, but like through my sociology lens, I like to ask questions to figure out, okay, well, what were the root causes? And then, then you can kind of see that it's a machine that's kind of using people um, rather than anyone that's really, like the beliefs you have, It's a, I think it's a fallacy that they're actually your own beliefs. I really do think there's a form of like social determinism behind everything where if you're not prepared to open yourself up to the fact that the way you've perceived reality is very narrow and solipsistic, then you're probably not likely to see that you've been manipulated um, and your subconscious is controlling a lot of your behavior. But this is—it very quickly ends up in a red pill or blue pill scenario. <laughs> <which is why laughs> I don't, you know, it ends up being a bit of a cliche conversation. Ultimately. Yeah,
1: yeah. But in in terms of your actions of choosing where you work, uh, how you travel, how you live, and and aligning that with your your ideology, because an ideology seems to be—it's always a moonshot. It's always—it's not where you are; it's where you want to go.
0: Yeah, but what's really cool about art, I think, generally historically, and I I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, is that like it used to be driven largely by um, ideology, and
1: sometimes that ideology was aesthetic, right? Well, what I found, it it seems to me that the ideology was always an excuse. My my thesis is Mm -hmm. maybe that artists are always selfish. Good artists. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And that uh, if you look at all the religious art, they were probably atheists, but they're like, well, the church is paying the bill, so I'll, I'll put some bearded guy in there. But it's really about <laughs> something else. And, but in that and, yeah. and, and, and the same when I read the text of Mondrian, and he's into theosophy, and he talks about I, I think he really just wanted to play with things. And I think for musicians, it's much easier to admit that they do it just to play. Mm-hmm. And there might be, uh, you can write protest songs, but still people like the idea of jamming. Like You don't have to justify everything all the time. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so maybe that idea of playing or jamming or whatever you want to call it. Um, what, and that's maybe what I, I see in our generation, that there's a guilt of, of just uh, playing around with material, not justifying it rationally, not justifying it socially.
0: Yeah, but when you play what are you what are you operating with your intuition right yeah like and so but to ignore that your intuition is informed by your experience right yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah. but maybe what i'm talking about is that uh it it doesn't have to be didactic didactic or explaining or goal-oriented
0: no i i don't disagree i mean but if you're like if you're making jazz in like, um, you know, a ghetto in 1930 or something, your intuition is your sort of like collective yeah, but oppressive, it, oppressed experience. Yeah, but
1: right? so there's always, you're always born in a in a social category. Mm-hmm. Like you're not born in a vacuum. So whether you're playing, making music for the court and, and practicing music there, mm-hmm. or it's for the church, or it's from a, a very underprivileged background, those are all... Uh, they're just environments mm-hmm. but I think the deep being the the, the human uh, experience you're just responding there's like all these social walls around you and you're responding but there's there's a core that whether Mozart was play, playing for a court or whether a rapper is, is coming out of the Bronx it, it's still just playing with notes mm-hmm. yeah
0: but I, I, I really like what you're saying which is that like when you allow Yourself to be selfish. You're essentially actually becoming a channel or a conduit for all of your perception, both conscious and unconscious. Yeah, yeah. Basically, channeling the world.
1: Yeah, and it's uh, it's like it's just my preference. It's it's how I see it. So I understand how solipsistic that is because some people say, well. Art is a tool to weaponize, and then we can. Uh, art can articulate something, and then other people can work with that, and maybe that's true. And uh, yeah. But
0: then remember the romantic notion of the artist, and they you know they you know going out into the field en plein air or whatever, was you know or traveling the world. The artist's role was to have a lived experience yeah. beyond that of the normal well, individual.
1: It's almost like if you see professions as different organs of, of a society. So uh, one organ is like uh, the food supplier and one organ is the food uh, distiller and one organ is the energy and one organ is the, the engine and, and the artist is maybe the eye or the ear, but without judgment and without uh, too much of a goal, the brain can, society can process it later, but the artist should mm-hmm. just play around. I And that's maybe, I th- it feels like the current moment, the, the, the curator heavy shows... Mm-hmm. That, that there's a lot of emphasis on justifying why art exists.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you're right because, and that's maybe in- the
1: same. The, the, it, 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 that's why I wanted to talk about politics. The same justification in your head is like, "Well, I want to go to Hawaii. The weather's really nice. I know it's <laughs> bad for the planet and for the people there. Uh, we're we're ruining everything as tourists. But fuck it, I'm selfish. I want to go to Hawaii." Mm-hmm. And bad that time, same, by the way, but. and that same <laughs> feeling. When you're like, I know paint and chemicals are bad for the planet. I know that traveling and sending the work back and forth is bad for the planet. So I should be waking work like Tina Segal. But the idea I had, and fuck it, I want to make this painting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. But I mean, to, to not ask yourself why you want to make it is is what I would consider the only... Well, I, yeah. I
1: think asking why too much is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Because if you ask why too much and, you get into, and, and there's a whole thing and i think that that's guilt related this asking mm-hmm. why too much it, it, if you say i have a right to play end of story and then you don't ask why
0: why should i want to play i mean it's no longer fun anymore. because if plastic. you if
1: you if you the idea of like imagine a three-year-old and you're like okay so why do you want the legos mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. they're plastic right <laughs>
0: Yeah, and the child's like, I'm not thinking that way. I just like color and bl- and building stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I understand when you're older, you have responsibilities, a part of the world. But then at mm-hmm. the same time, that's very contradictory to being an artist when you have to mm-hmm. justify too much.
0: One thing that I find is interesting though is like certain artists who we actually romanticize for this complete ignorance of social responsibility. Like um, one would be Picasso, right? Be like, well, he was Picasso. he
1: was kind of political, yeah.
0: Yeah, well, he was kind. Of, yeah, he was kind of political, but he was also like you know misogynist towards women, right? He had a, yeah, like but a,
1: I, I also he was a member of the Communist Party, but he made all his money selling to rich Americans. So mm-hmm. he didn't make but, art for the affordable art for the people. So and that's yeah. To me, no, it to like, me, when like, when he when, this, like, when, free pass well, I don't know, I don't know why. when when artists attached to an ideology, to me, it just seems like it has nothing to do with the work itself. It's it's just mm-hmm. a social vehicle.
0: But he wasn't the only cubist painter, right? Like, it's, like when people talk about Picasso's genius, this is the one thing that I try and figure out is like, there were a lot of cubists and he, he you know, he was one of them. What was different, you know, but he wasn't, and he wasn't behaving well. Well, you know, he was behaving what you should do him. is
1: go to a lot of museums and then every now and then you'll see a Picasso and you don't even know it's a Picasso. It's a bit like compared to Aphex Twin where you'll hear a playlist <laughs> and you're like, hey, what's this song? <laughs> oh, that's Aphex Twin. Oh, okay. Every and time of course, you're excited. It's uh, like, of oh, course, Picasso. <laughs> yeah, and so the, this idea of the single genius is dangerous, and, and there's often a lot of people working together. And there's like, there's square Pusher and there's yeah. uh, tons of other people. But, but not, every like time, time I, I, I didn't know much about electronic music, and then a, a playlist would be playing with all kinds of stuff, and mm. I'm like, hey, what's this? And it really was really, every time I asked, hey, what's this? It was Aphex Twin. And I've I've experienced the same thing with Picasso, where you're going through a museum and there's tons of old-ass paintings and you're like, yeah. damn, oil paint all looks the same. Oil paint just looks like oil paint and it just makes everything look like it's from the 30s. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden you're like, hey, this one is really interesting and weird and, and it <laughs> seems to emit light and it's really speaking. Oh, it's Picasso. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. But is that like I mean, if you and, saw uh, maybe, a room full of cubist work, could you pull out the Picassos? That's the I, question. I'm
1: not know. sure, but I, I I just know that a number of times I've walked through museums, kind of, it, I, I'll walk through pretty fast, and then uh, and it, this might be an argument also why Picasso's uh, too populist because it pops too much. So you could say mm-hmm. he he's not very good at nuance or subtleties. Oh. Wait. It's like an oh, it's like a TV with the saturation settings. Yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, best yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. So and 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 I, maybe I'm just always drawn to saturated colors. So it, but I don't think I'm the only one who likes Picasso. But no, no, you're not. Yeah, but uh, there's something. Uh, it's exactly the point of like was Picasso important because he spoke to the people and he was member of the Communist Party and he was it made art that uh, like that addressed the feelings of war and et etc. And all mm. these things are true. Yeah. Mhm.
0: Yeah, I mean, but then like, you know, sideways at the same time, yeah, that person was alive. Maybe like Pollock was making fewer works with like more more like conceptual energy uh, and you know, and would you you would spot his as well and you'd say, "Oh, it's a it was it just cuz it was different." He was also I'm just thinking of people who were backed by ideology, right? Like, they had ideology, yeah. but mm. the cult of identity, you know, was, like, built up around Well, if, if
1: we go in our own time, uh, it, the, the Yeah, tri- let's talk about that. The, the triennial uh, at the New Museum, mm-hmm. um, the last one and this one, a lot of it revolved around politics and identity politics. Um, so, Like Juliana Huxtable kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so... Um, that also formally results in new ideas so that that ideology can fuel something that then looks different just because it it came from such a different angle
0: but i think what you're making is actually a pretty good point or maybe that we're arriving at one which is that it actually isn't one or the other that yeah. it's all of these all of these sort of threads together woven together create but an there, interesting narrative there
1: is a, a thing about guilt that um, in, and this is maybe coming from the Netherlands that enjoyment is suspicious mm-hmm. so maybe you're the same like I only want to spend 10 bucks on lunch, you told me that so yeah, even though you make enough idea. money to go to a very fancy place and spend more time on it uh, and so the conceptual art kind of took away like we're going to move af- away from eye candy as far as possible eye candy mm-hmm. is suspicious Um so we're going to do everything in black and white and poor materials and the, the most efficient execution of the idea. and, and But then you, you get into this weird logic where bathing in these uh, useless ideas and going further and further is enjoyment and, and is just as Baroque as uh, if, uh, covering everything in gold and rubies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So... it. Um, you, you come from an ideology where you're like, okay, everything's too market-driven, everything's too indulgent and Baroque, so let's be as, as uh, reduced as possible, and then that path to reduction and that competition in being as reduced as possible then becomes indulgent in itself.
0: Mm. You're just talking about the cycles of fashion. One thing that's remarkable, though, is like um, there's a study... That was done quite a while ago. It's another corporate like intervention here for a second, but like um, they, you know, they they put this same product in front of people, and in one version of the product for sale, they just had the product and the price, and then in the other version, it, I think it was a camera. Uh, in the other version, they had the product, and then they had a story about the product next to it and the story talked about how it was made, where it came from, who the makers were, and the version of the product with a story could sell for, like, twice the price um, and, in fact, sold at a faster rate even though it was more expensive, right? And, you know, the meaning being that, like, stories help inform the value of things we appreciate yeah, yeah. Without, because the human mind is so wired for stories. Yeah, yeah um, I think
1: that the human mind is, is, is wired for purpose and myth, and uh, so, if if you're on, on board and you're like, yeah, I want to help young people start companies or companies that help people in uh, less sure. privileged countries, I want to contribute to that. Yeah. But I'm,
0: you know, what I'm saying is a little bit controversial, which is like, you know, because Jackson Pollock was an alcoholic.
1: Oh yeah, like, yeah,
0: yeah. You know, or committed suicide. His work was worth. Well, something, I, I think
1: right? I think we talked in an episode before about the idea of meaning and that it's very hard to let go of that. So uh, Mondrian justified his work partly as being fascinated with music and that a musician can play without being figurative, mm. and partly about theosophy, about creating inner peace, and uh, if you stare at his paintings long enough, you'll find harmony and uh, you'll feel the, the, the force or whatever in a Star Wars way. But at end of the day, um, to really look at, art without any story and just I would be interested to um, curate an exhibition where you have amateur works and fakes and real ones and everything mixed and no <laughs> labels whatsoever and then you have to go around and be like okay well this and maybe later it's revealed which ones were historically important or not see,
0: I, I, yeah
1: see I think it, that people wouldn't enjoy the show no I think Don't people you? would be scared as hell <laughs> They're like well, what if I pointed the wrong one because so
0: much of the part of the way you and I would enjoy a museum show would be that we know the stories behind the work, right? Like, and I think so much yes, of the reason yes and for no. The, yeah, yes and no. I know you said that you're walking around the museum, you're like, oh, that's a Pollock, that's a Pollock. I mean, that's a that's a that's a Picasso, that's Picasso. But like, uh, the more Picassos you see, the richer the story becomes, yeah. right?
1: Well, and I think the word "story" is a is a very language based uh, way of mm-hmm. thinking. Mm-hmm. So if, if you learn to look uh, and if you've also played with the material itself. So when you see a video art exhibition, you not only know the story, you're also very familiar with all the, the lenses yeah. and the compressions yeah. and the artifacts of different tapes of different decades. Yeah. So you see more because you're, uh, you've, you've seen more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so that's not just story. That's also the same way that if you're really into tomatoes and you grow tomatoes and you've tasted tomatoes in different parts of the world, that's not just story. You could blind test and say like, okay, well, this has a a zingy aftertaste and this skin is snappier and whatever. That's called tacit knowledge, right? Which is a different kind of
0: knowledge. Yeah, and that's a
1: very interesting thing to me when it goes beyond words. Mm Mm-hmm. It's
0: the knowledge one generates through experience and through hands-on
1: Connoisseurship. experience. Connoisseurship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
0: And it's a way of learning as well. So, like, I could teach you how to make a pot um, with, like, books and videos and things like that, but you'll learn a lot faster if I put clay in front of you and say, figure it out. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, it's the same way a child learns faster than an adult, right? Yeah. Because the naivete, the lack of understanding allows them to explore, and through that exploration, you know, they build tacit knowledge, which it's just a very fast form of learning. Apparently it's like how we do most of our learning. Yeah. You know, despite the, you know, the way education has been structured in such a way that like we we actually look at that type of experience and it's like, the, you know, the school of hard knocks and we're like, that's not real education, right? But actually that's why the people that drop out quite often end up doing better than those that stay in school because they've had the opportunity to build that tacit knowledge, which is like incredibly powerful, like knowledge through experience and yeah. through making. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah yeah it, it, it's always better to get the idea out of your head but ultimately um
0: that's what we've been talking about the whole episode right which is like if you're curious <laughs> right like the material of ideology is kind of material that you can like bend
1: but ideology be can of. also be a burden that's what i'm saying that a lot of mm-hmm. people uh, and i don't know i didn't it took me a while to just say, hey, I, I really don't have to explain anything. S- something can just be what it is. Mm-hmm. And um, I think curators and schools really encourage people to justify what they do. And I think the idea of justification is a layer of guilt.
0: Mm-hmm. And you, yeah, the in built up in that is that story example that I just shared with you regarding the camera. Yeah, covering. that's
1: part of it. And, and part of it is... Uh, Success and so when you start out and there's no success yet, you're like, "Well, I'm putting things in the world that nobody needs, and maybe nobody Mm -hmm. will ever care." That's the
0: that's the problem, though, isn't it? Like what you just interceded there with is like, if you create something and no one sees it or hears it, did you you know is it does it have any value? Yeah, yeah, and is it worth doing? And one of the ways in which we generate attention for work is by associating with a group and or ideology, if you will, because usually a group has to have a reason for being. And through doing that, you know, there are there's a hierarchy within that group of like you said earlier, like this is good cubism. It's better than it's better than that other one. And then, you know, then there's sort of like with that hierarchy comes importance, right? And a belief system that this is important because it's just like so complicated I yeah feel like. yeah it's, it, it's, really it's hard funny to it, it,
1: it. that's why uh, I like making works uh, I can focus on a very single on a single variable but you can't pretend that you weren't part of a group of people that yeah 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 but when way. I make the work itself I'm like okay I'm just making a a website where hands are being squeezed into a corner and then I just look at the hands mm-hmm. and, uh, you just made a point that I wanted to respond to but um the complicated thing? <laughs> Before, well no, well let's just go on. But it it, it um informing pro- in, in, yeah. it seem it seems with you that uh, your ideology informs your practice more than in the beginning? Hmm. Or is that not I true? I don't know.
0: I don't think it's true because I I told you I had this sort of sociology background. So early, I could say very, very, very early on, I was just obsessed with computers, right? And I was like, what is it about this computer? Well, that's a good point.
1: Yeah, that in the beginning when computers came around, they were just fun. We didn't think that they would bring down democracy. So you're like, oh, this is a great thing. It does bleep bleep and I want to play with it.
0: Yeah, and I was just like, this is interesting. I'm really good at it. People other people around me don't seem to be that good at it. It kind <laughs> you know, I understand I seem to understand it. Like I remember feeling frustrated actually that people around me just didn't understand how important this was going to be yeah. historically. I was like, don't you get it? People?
1: Yeah. <laughs> this is, changes everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's also it's like, also the thing that because you're a, a, you have a optimistic outlook you're like this is going to make everything better the same way now people are saying we could use vr to create empathy and like "Uh, just wait till the alt-rise guys get a hold of vr let's see what they what they do with it
0: okay we i mean maybe this is the point of the podcast where we say like the tech sort of romanticism and the romanticism with the you know northern california is like pretty much dead right now yeah yeah yeah. i just i I read like yet another it went from utopia
1: to dystopia in a decade
0: yeah, well, I'd say even in the last 12 months, it's just like every day now I read like an editorial in like The Guardian of Times. Well, this is nice a like-
1: very interesting point because it, the, one of the most important things is to retain talent. Yeah. And if you as a developer have a choice of like, okay, I could make 200,000 at a shitty company or 120,000 at a, a company that I, aligns with my ideology. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. But what's really interesting is like those, yeah is that, that like that at least with the tech culture thing it's true it was ideology first and mission and vision is so much a part of how those companies exist and like of course there are examples outside of that like Patagonia and Nike like companies whose brands we all know and love but the number of tech brands that sort of took the best of what all those other companies were doing and then like made that part of their hype cycle well yeah like uh,
1: Zuckerberg said yeah we just want to connect people
0: yeah yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Connect all of the human beings on the planet. Like, and there's this idea in tech maybe people don't know about. With a, it's it's called a BHAG. Are you familiar with that term? No, I'm not. But it sounds. It's a cool. big, big, hairy, audacious goal, and you can't have a company okay. without a big, hairy, yeah, audacious yeah, yeah, goal. Yeah and it's like so tech entrepreneurs be like what's your heck? what's your it's like that doesn't even make any sense but it was so much a part of that culture which is that you had to do something audacious
1: like, yeah like microsoft this, wanted a desktop on every desk like a, a, a it, pc on every desk in the world
0: yeah and there's this another term that's more po- common now that i'm sure you have heard which is what's your moonshot?" Right? Yeah, and yeah you would yeah. hear like people be like our moonshot, like it was but like it, it, in, it's the funny, space race, was yeah, the, in the 1960s. The,
1: this work ethic or this ideology is a is a premise. It's not the whole world works this way. But and so when you tell an artist what's your moonshot, there's mm-hmm. also a way of really humbly making art without moonshots and just saying, well, I want to make watercolors of flowers because I love water, uh, I love flowers. Mm-hmm, and it's mm-hmm. not like, oh, I want to have a flower painting in every museum in the world. Like you could just yeah. enjoy the, the process. And so
0: it comes down to this basic, you know, issue of incrementalism versus innovation, right? Yeah, and, but and it's it, a very aggressive approach. But the incremental is always viewed and I just went through this in a corporate setting where people are like really anti-incremental improvement they're like if the world just keeps getting a little bit better all the time we're never gonna reach this like big hairy audacious yeah goal. yeah yeah. It, it, they want it, this like all bets are off it reminds me
1: th- there was someone uh, a journalist from TechCrunch, who went to a web conference in france mm-hmm. and um, the french culture of course this uh, three-hour lunch break and he said we had amazing food but I don't like this way of living where you spend three hours at lunch. I, I want to break stuff and innovate and uh, change the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's so funny when you're like, inventing Uber or whatever and you don't have time for lunch. And it's like, what was the goal? Was it to get to McDonald's faster with the Uber? Or to have yeah. an like, what's a better life? So this, this ideology or the moonshot or where you point your telescope was very interesting.
0: Well, it's very hard to put a period on a sentence, Raphael, for us to decide that it's good enough, right? Like for people to. It's like leaving a good painting, you know, behind, like, which is a bit cliche, but like, when is the last. When is it when finished? When is it done? A lot, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of painters will say it's never done, right? And then they paint over it. And, you know, there's a lot of that, uh, even in painting history, right? Well, Where this podcast is paint. never done,
1: that's for sure. <laughs> um, that's right.
0: For me, I, I, that's in a way like a nicer way of thinking about the whole thing yeah, which yeah, is like yeah. it's never done but it's actually maybe never improving but, but
1: it seems that um, ideology. so if, if, if guilt is like the, the difference between where you are and where you want to be in your ideology mm-hmm. and so if you're obsessed with efficiency then wearing nice clothes uh, listening to music uh, enjoying food are all in the way of the goal Mhm. And and, and and so Protestant you is, is very aligned with Calvinism or Protestantism like there's a goal mm-hmm. of working hard and everything else gets in the way. Yeah, and I guess I mean yesterday there was to, an to. episode of Westworld where they went from the the cowboy land in, into the Japanese <gasps> shogun land. I haven't seen it. And so the west is all about like hey, give me your stuff or I shoot you. Bang bang. And mm-hmm. then in the Shogun world, it's a little bit similar. They cut off ha- heads, but there's also a little bit of ritual where they will do a dance, and then the cowboy people are like, "Oh God, do we have to go through this?" And they have to <laughs> wait for a minute for a beautiful dance. They're like, "Oh God, I'm so bored." <laughs> so it's funny like there's just no time for culture.
0: I mean, in in that in both of those ideologies, though, like the West would be like guilt-free, right? Because it's re- it represents the libertarian. Um, you know the Wild West, right? Wasn't that that's the kind of American ideal, right? Like, gotten less government, more less rules, less regulation. Yeah, but Just also, let me be free. but also, let me be free.
1: also, it's it's a lot about uh, identity through hardship. Like, oh, I've been able to deal with this extreme climate and going where no one has gone before and raising the most cattle. And uh, mm-hmm. it's not about staying where you are and uh, improving your sushi skills but what,
0: where guilt enters into that is we all know how that ended with the dust bowl and like you know millions of people starving to death kind of thing yeah like you know one of the worst uh kind of examples of like that when, if you just allow everyone just to cut down all the trees and plant whatever they want and like ride their horses and shoot each other, you eventually all end up dead. Right. Like it's like a little bit. <laughs> that's the outcome of the algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how that works. Yeah. right? And so then what, what intercedes at that point is like, okay, yeah, maybe we should think about this next. But <laughs> it, it,
1: it's, it seems, I don't know if this is true, but that um, in Silicon Valley, it's not really cool to show off wealth and, and they're not mm-hmm. collecting art so much. It's still at a building stage where enjoyment is very suspicious. So, it, it even I don't know where I read this, but even amongst CEOs, it's it, it's not cool to say I bought a new jet. It's cool to say I haven't slept in two months. Yeah, well, here's
0: what's happening in the tech right now, which is that like all these people worked really hard. A lot of money got poured in. They created a ter- you know this culture, which is now like now viewed as like the tip of the spear in terms of like a counterculture. Um, They're not changing the world. We're okay with them behaving badly while they were changing the world. It's like smartphones, (laughs) internet, right now. It's like, okay, what have you done for me lately? Oh, and you're going to, you think you can still get away with being sexist? Guess what? No way. (laughs) Right. Like, and so I think it, it has a lot to do with what, you know, the return we're getting from that guilt is like, I'm happy with my new iPhone. But if only up until a certain amount of... I want a certain amount of life-changing Well, innovation. this is exactly... Otherwise, I'm going to judge This you. is
1: what I was very interested in. So we, we have the, the ideal that we say, mm-hmm. and then the excitement of, of, of our sinful yearning. So we do want the new mm-hmm. phone. We know that the old <laughs> phone is fine, and we know yeah. that the way they're produced is not nice. We yeah. know that 100% sure. But then they're still like, yeah, but it has two lenses. <laughs> and and yeah, so but next year, like it, you know, and the same with the privacy anywhere. debate of like people discussing how bad Facebook is on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And it, it's how just you, very, it, it, the, the, that's what I'm, th- this is the core for me is like well, how, how, uh,
0: how. I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad this is a query because there's this model that actually a Japanese guy named Kano came up with called the Kano model. Have you ever heard of that? No, no. I'm learning I, a I lot this epi- episode. <laughs> I just came across this recently, but the Kano model attempts to, it was a guy, you know, in Japan in the 1980s and he was like, okay, like we know we can innovate, right? The Japanese were really good at that from an engineering standpoint, but he noticed that like yesterday's innovations became tomorrow's expectations, right? And he's like, how, how can we measure whether or not we're exceeding expectations or maybe we're just like, you know, we're, we're not, how can we measure whether people are satisfied with the products that we're building, right? With, the, and with And ultimately, if you think about this through an artistic lens, how can we be sure that we're actually advancing culture, right? And so the Kano model presents this idea of, if we do absolutely nothing, then because of the ways, you know, the world works, whatever was delightful yesterday, will become the status quo tomorrow and eventually actually will become something um, that's not even table stakes. It'll be be a detractor, something that's negative, right? Like you can think about our expectations in terms of a lot of things. Like um, if you were to go to a hotel, for example, um, 50 years ago, it wouldn't have had a bathroom, a toilet or a shower or a sink, right? You would have had a shared bathroom in a common area. But today, if you walked into a hotel room and there wasn't a bathroom, you'd be like, this is ridiculous. (laughs) Like, but, you know, 30 years ago, you'd be like, oh, my God, this hotel room has a bathroom. And then and then it, and then it's like, oh, my God, it has hot water, right? There's, there's so sort of the, But the expectations are always yeah, rising. Yeah, like,
1: like people complaining about uh, the food on an airplane when you're actually flying through the air. And, yeah. and, uh, you know <laughs> exactly. how amazing. Not. And so the, there's going to be a flight to the moon soon for tourists. And they're going to talk about like, oh, I always get such dry skin when I fly to the moon. I hate it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and so like where guilt comes into this too, I think as well is like for the for the producer, they're trying to get away with it. you know, should they should they do the most to delight you or should they do the most to profit, right? And it's like these two things are intention, right? Should they do the most for themselves or the most for you? If they do the most for you, they they get that delight and they innovate and they push every the whole bar higher. Yeah. If they do the most for themselves, they potentially put themselves at risk of looking and then there's the em-
1: environment too.
0: Yeah, well, exactly. Well, wouldn't it be delightful if they told you that trip to the moon was also benefiting the environment? Yeah,
1: yeah. that would be a nice story. Yeah.
0: Like the word delight is actually really interesting. It's used a lot in product design yeah. and you don't hear many people use it in art, ironically, but it's like in product design, people will come up to you and be like, but is it delightful? Yeah, <laughs> at yeah. At first I was like, what are you talking about delightful? It's just a, <laughs> it's just a tool. It's a, it has a use function. But that is right? interesting
1: but- because then you get to the point of the French lunch. And you're like, mm-hmm. well, maybe we don't just have to eat cardboard, even though it has all the nutrients we need. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. Maybe we could have a nice piece of cheese at the end of the meal. But that
0: is where it's really interesting. I think it really is really a good point, which is where does delight or that thing that is beyond our current expectations of function belong in yeah. any dialogue about? Yeah. And that's kind things. of a,
1: what what Apple was doing with the a blue iMac. It's like, well, it doesn't have to be a beige box, and it turned out people were like, well that's really expensive to produce, and who wants a blue computer? And it turned out that was Mm -hmm. what people wanted.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great example. The iMac just celebrated, like, its 20th anniversary, and it was considered, like, revolutionary. I remember when it came out, it was just, like, so different from everything else. Yeah, Um, I remember there was another
1: computer company that made computers with cow dots on them. Do you remember that company? Gateway? Yeah, maybe, and it was... the yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's so weird. I guess Apple won the design contest and people didn't do well, there with uh, co- Yeah, these
0: these periods of like ra- like radical experimentation don't aren't very common, right? Like you could probably plot them out. Um you know, like they're, in different domains they might be like in VR right now there's a ton of experimentation, AR especially as well. But like they're, they're, it's not like farming is like going through a ton of experimentation all the time, right? Like it's relatively stable. I know there's stuff with genetics and whatnot, but like computers and telephones, like let's take smartphones. Right now, they're completely stable, right? As as far as like innovations, yeah. Concerned versus, and I
1: really like this stage of, of uh, perfecting of, of the sushi chef, just little little changes, and because mm-hmm. you can say it's still, but if you have a five year old phone, it's really different. Mm-hmm. It's in this iteration cycle. Yeah, and I find this cycle. kind of, for me as a consumer, there's something very beautiful about going to a platonic ideal and nobody's there yet and there's a competition and
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, in you know, in corporate uh, culture, they also have like, uh, sorry, I have so many of these lessons today. Yeah. <laughs> the the way investments are structured or the way you finance things within a company you're really supposed to uh, mostly fund incremental activity, right? Like, And then there's supposed to be like 20%. I, it's different people use different uh, me- metrics or amounts. 20% like, wildcard? Yeah, exactly. For For revenue that might replace Maybe the market, all other... The art
1: market is the same. It's like 90% mm-hmm. oil painting, and then we can have a couple of freaks.
0: Yeah, that's right. Because, But in like at Google, for example, the 20% is like every 10 years is supposed to replace the entire value of the previous yeah. 80%. <laughs> and that's their view Yeah, on so there's it's constantly
1: like, you know, people tweaking the ad algorithm and they're putting 90% of their resources on that. And then yeah. someone comes up with Gmail.
0: Now, if that were true in the art world, though, we wouldn't have so much painting still, right? Or like, you know, unless you're thinking ideologically painting is shifting quite a lot. Um, yeah. But it seems the art world it will allow, allow a certain amount of experimentation, but not really... Yeah. Like more than 20% at any time. It never replaces yeah, the full The only body.
1: innovation I'm really interested in is energy. Like if, if someone mm. can figure out that back to the future engine that you put a banana peel on the car and you can fly, that like, that, that you can create nuclear energy out of a banana peel, that, that seems to me that would just solve everything in my head of this idea of I'm adding crap to the world. And like, oh, we can recycle <laughs> the crap. And it, it, that everything else flows from that so whoever figures out the banana peel to megawatt converter that that's that's the only innovation i care about
0: i feel like this exists like i think if we did a google search it was like you there's definitely i feel like i've heard about some kind of like compost engine or something like
1: that yeah well it, it doesn't it's exist a, at scale so um right but for someone to figure that one out that just seems it, it, it just seems like the most beautiful thing to me Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like for someone yeah. to figure out the next social network or VR, it's like, who cares? And uh, yeah.
0: Well, here's what I can tell you: Vim Delvoye, who's a you know oh yeah yeah, yeah Belgian art Belgian, right? Yeah. He figured out a way to uh, co- to make uh, human feces. To mimic human <laughs> digestion, yeah, yeah. For for
1: those who don't know, it's it's basically a big machine, museum size, with a lot of tubes and, and mashing things and chemicals going in. And at one side of the museum, museum, a, a waiter comes in with a silver dish and like from a good restaurant pours in a meal. And a few hours later, there's poop that comes out that really smells like human poop, and that's then vacuum-sealed and sold. It's very authentic. And, and he's yeah. been working on a, a dishwasher-sized one for the home where you could just throw your food in and, and it would come out.
0: Now, if, th- if that's not wasteful... <laughs> <laughs> yeah and celebratory but that's exactly where, what what I it.
1: like about art is that you can just uh, do whatever you want
0: yeah I, and I, I don't think I, we, anyone I should expect it to be bought or sold in <laughs> like that's why I mean like it's allowed in that it's like no one could tell you not to do it really oh um, I, I think there's plenty of people trying to censor art uh, for different reasons but if they're really not censoring art, they're censoring the people that show it you know, yeah. Um, yeah the artist kind of and and that's really that's the
1: thing where I, when i talk about the left attacking itself when you're attacking a painter or an, that person is probably 90% on your side and then to attack them it's just not productive i think yeah well yeah,
0: yeah. well I, I don't yeah i don't know it's uh, it's case by case yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and
1: i don't want to discuss the individual cases but if if like yeah, yeah um i th- yeah it 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 just seems uh if if I would have to do some strategy advice for the left, which uh-huh. i i am part of, I would say get young people to vote end of story. that's oh. the only thing you have to do and and don't try to blame people for little differences. Uh, just get young people to vote.
0: Mm-hmm. I would say like um bring people together. Yeah. To sort out. Yeah. You know, like, and don't be afraid of a fight. So you know? this it's is okay. this is
1: my one episode where I can say stupid political stuff that probably is is not very. <laughs> and so the one thing that seems to me that the problem in the U.S. is that it's it's so built on the myth of the individual hero mm-hmm. that that is the antithesis of uh, the idea of unionizing, getting together and standing up and agreeing that. You're the majority, poor people are the majority, so you have the political power, but the whole idea of the individual, and then everybody's like, well, I'm left, but I'm this part, and I'm left, and I'm this Mm -hmm. part, and I'm left, and I'm this part, and we're all against each other. Well, can I share one more management principle with you? Yeah.
0: Which is that there are like three stairs or three levels of management um, maturity that people go through, and this is like... Again, this is like another coaching thing, but it's really interesting. Which is like, so the first style of management is to be authoritarian and to direct, right? Like you know, you think of the director; they tell you what to do. The right? boss, the yeah. The next level of maturity is the so-called salesperson, and they try and convince you that with the insights that they know and their experience, that this is the this is the recommended path. It's your choice, but you know, here is what I know. You know, as as your parental figure. But the highest level of maturity, like this sort of like samurai level of management authority is to bring two people together or two ideas together and not tell a person how to interpret it, but to trust them to interpret it and to give them the tools to do so, right? And to basically to bring people together um, and, and and then channel their strengths toward a positive outcome. And I think if a political party did that, if they f- if they stop trying to tell people what to do and started directing, because there are strengths on both sides, mm-hmm. right? If you leverage the strengths of both sides, you end up with a stronger yeah, yeah, yeah. pull. Anyway, it's a house divided cannot stand, Raph. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh And I think the same is true in the art world, right? Like if yeah. you are just a little more tolerant, and, of, uh, yeah, of, of the strengths on both sides. So, then we'll get and somewhere and
1: cool. so now that we're squeezing this pimple and get all the political stuff out of the way, yeah, I was thinking about this idea of. Um, you can vote in each country. So you you have, uh, maybe in the U.S. you have two choices and other countries you have five choices or whatever. But then, when I think about me personally, it's more that I vote by where I live. So then, uh, Mm -hmm. I, I, what I mean is I agree with the Netherlands more uh, with its politics. Whatever party there is, I agree with it way more than the U.S. But then I still choose Uh to move to the U.S. and pay taxes and contribute to... uh,
0: uh, because you recognize that there are strengths inherent in no, it no
1: it's what i recognize is very selfish like i like new york i really don't agree with the u.s but uh it i'm an artist and i want to have opportunity and see lots of top level art shows and uh, be around that all the time and so that's that's what i maybe mean with uh, ideology and selfishness that at mm. the end i think my mission is is a uh, the art mission and that's better served in new york so end of story mm-hmm. well
0: that's a good uh, good ro- that's a good end of way a note to and, and on, that's right?
1: maybe my suspicion of all artists throughout art history who said hey i'm really doing this for this cause and that cause and at the end of the day what they really wanted was space to play and
0: i think you're making a really good point no matter what cause and do it for yourself because it's something <laughs> that you're curious about and you believe yeah. in
1: yeah okay okay um so, so we we popped that pimple and then uh, never again
0: yeah i don't <laughs> know but maybe we just become more comfortable with it uh, i don't think so for me i'm, I'm just saying <laughs> this was <laughs> a
1: pimple that i had to get out of the way so and then yeah
0: well i'm glad you you allowed me to share yeah. that uh, with you even though you're using disgusting of course analogy. I, I had to <laughs> Yeah. You know. We had a really wonderful uh, field recording this week, yeah. though, right? Do, do you want to? Yeah, should we it? do
1: it uh, paragraph by paragraph? I'll, I'll start. Hi Raphael. Mm. Hi Jeremy.
0: Uh, hi, I'm Ji Yun uh, Kim, and I live in South Korea. Here's a link for how to pronounce my yeah. name. Ji Yun. <laughs> so I, I think I probably I think it's shi- It's like she. Ji Yun. Ji Yun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we might have got that wrong,
1: but I'm not good uh, at I'm writing good. in English compared to listening to English. So there might be some awkward phrases. Pre-warning. Okay. So my friend uh, Chae Young
0: recommended your podcast about a year ago.
1: She sent me a field recording for the Amazon episode and an ad for the latest episode, Movies.
0: Okay. Yeah, that was great. We read that ad last week. And since then, I've subscribed to your Good Point Podcast. Thanks so much. Um, I feel like I'm just going to read through this yeah. even, this paragraph. Even though I'm uh, not very, a very diligent po- person,
1: I listen to your podcast every week. It's a real part of my weekly routine. So I'd like to share my field recording. This sound is from my cousin's wedding. I attached some photos below. It was a traditional Korean wedding held at Korean traditional lecture hall. The most conservative city in Korea.
0: Okay, it's called something in Korean that I'm unable to read. But um, as a guest of the bride song, my way uh, to the karaoke accompaniment for the couple. couple. Yeah, we love karaoke. yeah, Yeah, you love karaoke, right? Although I am a Korean, I have never experienced such such k thing.
1: In Korea, wedding ceremony is usually a kitsch mixture of Renaissance, Middle Ages, Western costume, and everything based on Korean culture. It's an absolute cultural chaos.
0: And this was another example of chaotic wedding ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. It was very interesting, and I really enjoyed being there. I hope you can feel the same way. Well, So a I lot, do. a lot to yeah, a lot to unpack there and to to listen to. Um, yeah, we, we I, were I noticing
1: no uh, a lot of uh, love from Korea.
0: Recently, yeah. it seems, yeah. We've been getting a lot of emails and yeah. um, response from Korea. We have no idea how that happened, but we're excited about it. <laughs> yeah, that's the cool <laughs> and, thing about uh, the internet. And, uh, yeah, now we get to, to hear I, it.
1: I, I went to Korea twice and enjoyed it tremendously and uh, had great barbecue.
0: And of course, everyone knows my favorite um, artist of all time is from Korea, Yeah, Namjoon Pike. Yeah. Uh, so let's uh, let's listen to this field recording and channel the K hot wedding <laughs> ceremony. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you so much. It's okay,
1: Bye-bye. bye bye. Bye, I city clear, I stayed I like this. I, I, I believe like the storm, I believe, like a stone, high heaven, and
0: every
1: I I did it Battery, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: 시, 어쩌다, 나선, I'm I'm you 응. But again, 정도, just a few to mention I did
0: what I had to
1: do and so we without any